Let's pray together as we come to God's word, please. Father God, we do thank you for your continuing presence with us, amongst us, speaking to us from your living word, moving amongst us by your Holy Spirit, inhabiting the praises of your people. So Lord, tonight would you make us particularly aware of your presence? Lord, give us soft hearts, give us open minds, open hands, and help us to, to love you because you have first loved us in such a wonderful and amazing way. Lord, we ask that you would speak for your servants are listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, we are indeed uh, in Psalm 23. Uh, still, we're, we're working our way slowly through it, and um, I'm going to say we're in the penultimate line tonight because I just love saying that word, penultimate. Um, so we're, we're there tonight. We're at Psalm 23, verse 6a. And, uh, but I'm going to read the whole psalm uh, again and uh, just, as I said, because this is a great psalm to learn. It's a great psalm to, to hear and to take on board uh, and to learn. I think it really says it all. So reading Psalm 23. It's on page 555 of your, the church Bible and, uh, or on your, your phone or your device, but you might want to have it open and follow along uh, and then as we, as we um, unpack our sentence for tonight as well, our verse for tonight. David writes this, and he writes on behalf of every, uh, every believer, everyone who has the Lord as their shepherd. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures he leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. So we're continuing tonight in our uh, lessons from lockdown, our slow walk through Psalm 23, and we reach this uh, verse uh, tonight that we're looking at. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. We've been focusing on this psalm up till now as a very personal declaration of faith, and it is, the psalmist says so in the very first, the very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And this personal relationship between each of us individually and the shepherd is absolutely vital and central to everything else. But you see, King David also writes this psalm in the full knowledge that he is not alone. He is not a lone sheep following the shepherd. No, David knows, you see, that he is part of a group. He's part of something bigger. He's part of a, of a group, of a flock, of a people. Because in another one of his Psalms, Psalm 100, one of our favorite Psalms as well, he says this. He says, know that God, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. Us, collectively, plural. And, and, and David goes on, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So you see, with the Lord as our shepherd, we are part of a people, we're part of a flock, we're part of the church. 
And tonight, that's one of the things we're celebrating. We're celebrating our, our birthday, our 88th birthday as a church, as a church family. And we give thanks that, that as his people, we can enjoy that close and intimate relationship with the Good Shepherd. But we also rejoice that we are part of his church, his family. So let's just unpack this, this half sentence a little bit as we go uh, through it. And, and there's just so much, uh, much in this. Yeah, surely, the psalmist starts with the word surely. Let's just take it slowly here. You see, surely means for certain, for certain. And in a world that is full of uncertainty, the psalmist is sure of something. You see, David is sure because his faith is in a God who never changes. A God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the psalmist is able to know for certain that God's goodness will, and love will follow him the rest of his life because he knows what God's track record is on these things. He knows what God's track record is so far. You see, he has seen how God has been with him up until now. God's track record on this is impeccable. In Psalm 116, David writes, the Lord has been so good to me. And you see, as David has, has been sitting writing this psalm, he's looked back over his life and he's seen how the Lord has, has been with him, led him, provided for him, given him rest, given him peace, refreshed him, guided him, protected him and comforted him through all the days that are past, and, and therefore he has absolutely no doubt that God will continue to do so in the days ahead. And you know, journeying through that season that we came through, that pandemic that some of us just don't even want to think about, but that, it was a real challenge for all of us in one way or another, it really was. And I don't underestimate the, the physical, the mental, the, the, the emotional hit that some people took during that time. And I, I didn't enjoy the, the lockdown or the pandemic any more than the next person. And I see people still emerging from it with bruises and scars. But we have come through it. We have come through it. And I think just like the psalmist, we too can look back and see how God has been with us, provided, guided, given us peace, refreshed, protected, comforted, led us through that valley that was the COVID pandemic and now leading us out the other side into a whole new season. The crocuses and the daffodils are shooting up and, and the days are lengthening. Spring is here. Spring is here. And so we go out into a whole new season. And as we celebrate our 88th birthday today, we can, as a congregation, we look back and we bear, bear testimony as well to God's goodness, his, his leading, His guiding, His protection, His provision, His comforting. Is challenging over these past years, almost 90 years now. You see, knowing God and his past record on this, the psalmist and we are able to say with confidence, surely, certainly, definitely, God's goodness and love will follow us all the days of our lives. Surely you're, you're, who's he addressing here? You're. And it's important to know and be reminded of who David is thinking of when he says you're. You see, that's the Lord, Yahweh, 
the maker of heaven and earth. That's who he's reflecting on here. And it's good to be reminded because you see at the time of writing this psalm, all the nations around him, they all had idols as their gods. Idols that were made from stone and wood and metal. As David himself says in Psalm 135, he says, they have mouths but cannot speak, eyes but cannot see. They have ears but cannot hear, nor is there breath in their mouths. But the psalmist God, our God, he's not like those little gods with little g's. No, our God is the maker of heaven and earth. Psalm 86, he says, Among the gods there is none like you. Lord, no deeds, no deeds compare with yours. So it's important to be reminded about who the psalmist is speaking to and of about here. God the Father, maker of heaven and earth. Surely your goodness and love, he goes on. And he says, I was looking at this during the week and I began to wonder, well, why does he say your goodness and your love? The Hebrew words used are tov for goodness and, and hesed for love. And, and you see, it's not a repeat of the same word in, in the way that holy is used by Isaiah in Isaiah 6 when he says that God, when he repeats the word holy three times, that God is holy, holy, holy. Or when Jesus in John's gospel uses the word uh, uh, truly twice to, to underline or emphasize something he's about to teach when he says truly, truly, I say unto you. No, tov, goodness, and hesed, love are both used. So is there a difference? What's the difference between God's goodness and his love? And this is where I guess I want to dig a little bit deeper tonight and, and spend a bit more time just so that we can better understand the extent, the depth, the radicalness of what it is, of who it is that is following us, that is with us. So starting with God's tov, his goodness, you see God's goodness is a manifestation of, of God's character, of who he is, of his heart. And what God is, God is good. In Luke 18, Jesus declared, he said, no one is good except God alone. God alone is good. Our Westminster Confession, Shorter Catechism, question four, it asks us, what is God? And the answer is, God is spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. You see, goodness is part of God's nature, and he cannot contradict his nature. God is the standard of all that is good, and God is the source of all that is good. The Bible teaches too that God's goodness extends from his nature to everything that he does. Psalm 100, verse 5, David declares that the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And you know, we see God's goodness in four different ways, don't we? Firstly, we see God's goodness in creation, reflecting God's character, reflecting the nature of the one who made heaven and earth. Everything that God made originally was good. You see, on the sixth day when God had finished creating the universe, he stepped back, he took a look, and God saw all that he had made. And it was good. It was very good. So God's goodness is showcased in his creation. Also, of course, his goodness is, is, is demonstrated in his word. 
For instance, Paul writes in Romans 7, the law, the teaching itself is holy and its commands are holy and right and good. And the word that the word of God that was proclaimed by Jesus, that was proclaimed by the apostles, and it is proclaimed by the church is good news. It's good news. Thirdly, we see God's goodness in salvation. God's goodness is displayed most fully at the cross. We've been singing about it already. Displayed at the cross, seen in his plan to save us from sin and death, that's why we call that day, what? Good Friday. Because we see God's goodness displayed towards us on Good Friday. In his goodness, God sent his son to become the perfect and blameless sacrifice so we could be forgiven of our sins. And on the third day, God the Father raised God the Son back to life so that we could have life, life in all its fullness, life eternal as we trust in him. God does not want us to perish, but to come to repentance and faith, to be saved and to know his blessing. Paul talks in Romans 2 of the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. Using the old King James Version, yeah, but the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. And in Psalm 34, the psalmist invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fourthly, God's goodness is seen in every gift and blessing that he gives us day by day. St. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift is from above. And that includes every gift and blessing that we have received as a congregation over these past 88 years. Every gift and blessing that he continues to pour upon us from above, day by day. And so the Bible says that, that God's goodness should result in our thankfulness. Psalm 100, 107. It's a little refrain that's repeated throughout the psalm. So, and it says this, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. It's really simple. We give thanks. It tells us what we're to do. We're to give thanks. It tells us what God is. He is good. And it tells us what he does. He loves us forever. One of our contemporary worship songs expresses the same truth like this. All my life, you have been faithful. All my life, you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, I will sing of the goodness of God. So that gives us something of the extent of God's goodness, is his tove that is with us. So that's his goodness. What about his, his hesed, his love? You see in the King James Version and in the metrical psalm that some of us may be familiar with, our, our featured line tonight is, it reads, God's goodness and mercy. And that, I guess, reflects something of the problem of trying to, to pin down this particular word, hesed. For the truth is that the word can be translated into English as either love or mercy, and even more, it can often be, it's often rendered in English in our Bibles as compassion, grace, or, or, or faithfulness, simply because it's all of these. It's all of these. It's a small word with a massive meaning. It's a bit like the Hebrew word shalom, which we also take to mean peace, but it means much more than that. It means complete spiritual and emotional and physical well-being. 
There are some words in Hebrew that just don't easily translate into a single English word, and hesed is one of them. You see, in writing Scripture, the human writers are trying to use human language to describe something that's God-sized, and it's not easy. It's not easy. Hesed is love, mercy, compassion, grace, and faithfulness. And it's more than a mere emotion or, or feeling of attraction, but it involves action on behalf of someone who is in need. Hesed describes a love and a loyalty and that inspires merciful and compassionate behavior towards another person. And this word is found some 250 times in the Old Testament. I think God's trying to tell us something. And just as Tov, good, expresses a central aspect of God's character, so does this word hesed. In the book of Exodus in chapter 34, when God appears to Moses, he gives his first self-descriptor. And God describes himself as abounding in, abounding in hesed. Which, dependent on our Bible version, is often translated as love and faithfulness, unfailing love, faithful love, steadfast love, loyal love. It's all of the above. And the core idea of this term communicates commitment and faithfulness within a loving relationship, like, like within a marriage between a bride and a groom. And we know that the Bible uses that picture to, as, as for Christ is the groom and we're the bride. His people are the bride. But it's stronger than any merely human loving relationship or marriage because Hesed is related to God's covenant, his covenant with his people. It relates to the, co the concept of love. Hesed expresses God's faithfulness, his unbreakable covenant relationship with his people, and his unstoppable love for us. In Exodus 20, God says that he lavishes his hesed for a thousand generations. And we've been celebrating today all generations, down through the generations and amongst the different generations. God lavishes his hesed love for a thousand generations on those who love him and obey his commands. His trustworthy, ever-enduring, loyal aspect of God's covenantal love is a theme that runs throughout the entire Old Testament and into the New, where Jesus picks up the theme at the first communion meal. After supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. That's the depth of the love and the depth of the commitment, the depth of the covenant that he has towards us. In the Bible, Hesed is often describes the, the mercy and compassion of God. When Moses interceded for his people, he appealed to God's Hesed love. He said, the Lord is slow to anger and filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion. In keeping with your magnificent, unfailing love, please pardon the sins of this people just as you have forgiven them ever since they left Egypt. Hesed is the word that used when the Lord declares in Isaiah 54, though the mountains be shaken, though the mountains be shaken and the hills are removed, yet my unfailing love for them, for you, will not be shaken. 
God's covenant relationship, you see that this is the difference as well between God and us and between a marriage and a covenant. God's covenant relationship with his people results in his loyal love and faithfulness even when we sadly are unloving and unfaithful to him. Always at the heart of this covenant is the Hesed love of God, his generous compassion, grace, and mercy. And the message of the gospel, his, God's acts of forgiveness and salvation in Jesus is rooted in this Hesed love. This love describes the disposition of God's heart not only towards his people, but to all humanity. The love of God extends far beyond duty or expectation. His forgiveness of sin fulfills that basic need of all of us for forgiveness, renewal, a new start, restoration, fellowship with God the Father through God the Son. And God's Hesed manifested and forgiveness makes a relationship with him possible. This forgiveness comes to us freely from the Father through the Son because of his sacrifice for us. And so clearly there is some overlap between God's goodness and his love and we see them overlap most clearly and most deeply at the cross. How deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. God's goodness and God's love for us are most fully demonstrated at the cross. So surely your goodness, this goodness, this love, surely your goodness and love will follow me. So the psalmist moves on, will follow me again, just like with surely. There is a certainty and a confidence here. He doesn't say, surely your goodness and love may follow me, might follow me, but will follow me. There's a certainty here again. Your goodness and love will follow me. One of the ways that this Hebrew word translated here as follow is, is pursue. It's an even more energetic and, and determined picture than follow. God's goodness and love pursues us. They hunt us down and there's no hiding. Praise the Lord. There's no way, you see, there's no way that we can outrun. There's no way that we can ever outrun God. I'm not the fastest, but even the fastest person is not going to outrun God and his love and goodness that pursues. He's always faster. He's always with us. So if, if you're here and you're trying to run away or outrun God tonight, you might as well just give in now and accept the love and the goodness and the blessing that he wants to give you as you put your trust in him. And to start to live our lives as response, in response to that. And there's something else that I love about this psalm. You see, it tells us that the Lord leads us. He's in front of us. And his goodness and love, they follow us. He's behind us. You see, effectively, God has us completely surrounded by his presence, his goodness, and his love.
But another aspect of, of this goodness, of God's goodness and love following us are this. It's what we leave behind us. It's what we leave behind us. You see, we've heard people talk about such and such left the trail of destruction in their wake. They left the trail of destruction, destruction, destruction followed them, so to speak. But you see, the Christian who has experienced God's love and God's goodness will leave a trail, yes, not of destruction, but a trail of goodness and love. In our wake, Psalm 84 illustrates this for us. Psalm 84 talks about the pilgrims making their way up to the temple in Jerusalem. And it says this, it says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Bacchae, they make it a place of springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. You see, this text describes people who trust in God. And it says, as they pass through life, as they pass through certain, this place, they make desolate places come alive in a way that the rain does when it comes. God's people carry his kingdom and make desolate places come alive in the way that the rain makes the desert bloom. He uses us as agents of renewal and restoration and rebuilding in every place that he has us or sends us. So the idea is that as we go through life, we bring refreshment and blessing to dry places. Goodness and love follow us as we walk out our lives amongst our families and friends, our colleagues, and our neighbors. So how can we better leave a trail of goodness and love? How can goodness and love follow us in this sense of the word? And you know, in lockdown, I saw people who's whom goodness and love followed in this way. People who by their words and their deeds left a trail of goodness and love. And it was often in the small things that made the biggest difference, wasn't it? I was living for a time in the, the cottage at Sack and Cumber and, 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 and for instance, on one occasion, somebody left a, it was right on the street and for somebody left a, a box of buns on the windowsill and, uh, well, you know me, and I assumed they had left them for me and they hadn't just sort of accidentally left them sitting there on the way past. Um, so I put them to good use. Somebody else brought a, a cake, I kid you not, a slice of cake, a good big slice of cake, and, and, and offered me it. Somebody else on Easter morning, uh, I don't know who it was, but left an Easter egg at the back door. It was those wee things that made a big difference. And it's still the same story, the wee things can make a massive difference. But many people offered assistance and, uh, to church members or neighbors or family or friends, give a phone call or a card, collected groceries or medication, met in socially distant ways. Many Christians were on the front line providing essential services throughout those dangerous and difficult times. Those people were acting out of the goodness and, and, and love of God. They became channels of God's goodness and grace and love and into the world. They left a trail of goodness and love. So how can we in the days ahead be more open channels, better channels of God's goodness and love? How can we leave that trail of goodness and love behind us? Just as I finish, David says, your goodness and love will follow me. Again, there's that very personal promise and relationship and blessing. 
Whoever else is receiving God's goodness and love, as I trust in him as my shepherd, says David, well, his goodness and love will follow me, will follow each and every one of us who trust in him individually as our shepherd. All the days of my life. Again, the certainty and the confidence. You see, he doesn't say your goodness and love will follow me some days. As though God were notionate or, or temperamental or fickle. As though God may be flippant or intermittent with this goodness and love. No, the psalmist is able to say God's goodness and love will follow him all the days of his life because he knows that this, that this faithful, loyal, unbreakable covenant, tove, goodness and hesed love of God is what he's talking about. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And then that wonderful bottom line, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that's for next week to be continued. Shall we pray for a moment? Let's pray. The psalmist bids us to give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his love endures forever. So in the silence in God's presence, as he continues to speak to us by his word and to move amongst us by his spirit, we take a moment in our hearts and in the silence to continue responding to him, to give him our thanks. Let's take a moment to do that. Father God, we thank you for your goodness in creation, in your word, in salvation, and in every gift and blessing that you give us. And we thank you for your amazing, unbreakable, covenantal love for us. Your goodness is running after. It's running after me. With my life laid down, I'm surrendered now. I give you everything because your goodness is running after. It's running after me. Father, in view of your goodness and love that follows us, that runs after us, please help us to lay our lives down to surrender to you, to give you everything so that we might be channels of your goodness and love out into our world in every situation and circumstance and environment that you bring us to. For we pray these things for your glory in the power of the Spirit and in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen.